Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hamm. I can hear myself now. Well, let's hope we're live. <laughs> We've been having little uh, studio issues here, so I apologize to everyone here. Uh, uh, maybe we can get some confirmation from the peanut gallery to let us know if we're uh, actually up and running here today. So, um, anyway, if Mr. Hughesong, yeah, that's another time it wasn't my fault. That no, we this late. is totally my fault. Damn. I, I, uh, we had some massive echo when we started, and. Um, it looks like we have a viewer, so that's good news, Ben. So uh, I think we are live. I'm going to keep moving. Hopefully people can hear us. Um, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. How was yours? Uh, my weekend was good. Uh, I bet my new work schedule has allowed me to have these weekends off. So uh, we had a lot of uh, housework being done over the last week here at the yard. So that's kept me uh, somewhat busy anyway. So. That's anyway, always a fun one. Yeah, it's it's. I didn't have to do much back work, but just watering stuff that's been been done. So, but anyway, um, <clears throat> let's move on to a little bit of sports, clicks, and politics. The show here and talk about sports. And we got some NBA playoffs today, uh, Mister Hughesong. Are you a little bit excited about the uh, NBA playoffs? Maybe at all? Yeah, sure. I know it's not really your thing, um, but we get four, we get four games today. It's not even that it's not my thing. It's that the playoffs are so there's so many teams still. It's like this is this well. This is, is I mean this is on. they're the right. This is the same number of teams that there always is, right? I, that's so, my point. Um, there's there we have we're sixteen teams, right? Um, uh, but this is unique in a sense that we are all in a bubble in one arena, sure. uh, one complex here. So the games are staggered throughout the day, kind of like uh, college basketball in a oh, way. Oh, it's very cool. Uh, one thirty. Hour six thirty and nine today, I believe. So um, it's a very cool setup. But again, as a casual fan, yeah. it's I just don't care. Well, uh, like, we're just getting underway. So, right. like, obviously, as things go, these are all best of whatever series is. So, as as some of these games uh, start getting played, we'll start seeing who's playing well, upsets, whatnot. Um, uh, the games today are the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. The Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors is a 4 o'clock game. The Sixers and the Celtics are the 6.30 game, I believe. And the best game of the night, I think, is the Luka, my boy Luka Doncic and the uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, going uh, up against the the Clippers there. So uh, the Clippers are kind of the odds-on favorite um, for this whole thing here. I'm going to go to – I'm going to pull up Nate Silver. You guys might know Nate Silver does 538. There's like predictions and stuff. So I'm going to pull up his NBA stuff for the time being. He has the Clippers as the chance of winning 30%, top of the list. Second, Bucks 22%, Lakers 21%, Celtics 11%, Rockets 9%. Then it kind of falls off a cliff. And not that, it, you know, there's really a top three and then it falls off. Um, it's the two L.A. teams and the Bucks. The Bucks obviously, are the only team in the East. Uh, if they get past the Celtics, then it seems like they're probably going to be the most right. likely to be in the finals. They seem to be set up best for it. Um, but there's some interesting – I mean, the West is loaded, so there's always interesting matchups in the first round. Um, but the Clippers and, again, the Mavericks, who I think are a team 
you know, that are a, a piece away from really competing at that upper echelon already. So, I mean, they have two of the best young players in the league on their team and Christoph mm-hmm. Porzingis with, with Doncic. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. Um, you know, I got to give the edge to the Clippers. I mean, they're, they're loaded and deep and, and ready to win and have tons of championship pedigree. Um, they're a better team. For sure. Right. And like I said, the, the, Ma- the Mavericks are just super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some of the most young, like exciting two players in, in the league on their team. But yeah, I mean, it should be the Clippers to be there. So, but I mean, it, it really kind of falls off a cliff after those top three teams, the Clippers, Bucks, and Lakers. So we'll see if anybody kind of, I don't know. Gets the upset. Gets an upset. Kind of. Can we call a, it a Cinderella uh, story then? Can we call it? What's it? It's, I know it can't be March Madness. So is there a August equivalent? No. August awesomeness. Sure, let's go with it. See, they can hire me. I'm available. And it, listen, I, again, I think you'll see some good basketball in these first few rounds. If you ask me how how into it I am, am I like clearing my schedule to watch? No, because as a general rule of thumb, if over half of your teams get into the playoffs, I don't care about the first round. Well, Ben, my, my DraftKings team starts at one thirty, so we're getting off here at one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Priority show. Okay. Priorities. I'm with you. I can't oh. can't have that. Um. So we said we get the the NBA playoffs, which is kind of like, again, I feel like this just, you know, on top of the PGA that's been going on for a little while, it's the next at least step forward, a couple steps forward for sports in general, hopefully that things are opening up and uh, a little bit of more normalcy. Um, Speaking of the PGA, we did have a winner, excuse me, uh, 40-something-year-old journeyman Jim Herman. Yep, that guy. He yeah, won the love uh, that dude. shot of sixty three in Sunday and uh, held on to beat Billy Horschel, and you know he gets to play in the Masters, so good for him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jim Herman was the PGA winner. That's good. It's <laughs> good news. Yeah, but good like I said, him. I'm sure. I, listen, if I ever won a PGA, first thing I would think, I'm like, man, I get to play in the Masters. That'd I would be the first, be thing, be the first thing I would think. So, of course, I've played golf with you. Neither of us are going to no, win a tour event no. anytime soon. I already got my end of the ma- into the Masters. I told you about that some other time. Maybe I'll, I'll we'll figure that out how to bring that onto the show. All right. Another thing that's uh, kind of uh, in my wheelhouse, I think is, or at least I think like, I think it's in my wheelhouse is Bitcoin. We're back up again, over 12,000 hit 12, two again today. A little exciting. It is. I don't know if that's, uh, <clears throat> if that's going to be, we've been rejected multiple times at 12, 12, two over the last uh, week or so here. And we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, I think we got a 13, eight uh, pause, maybe where some resistance and then all the way to 16. Yeah, I think the uh, the cryptocurrencies right now have uh, have skyrocketed in 2020, and I think some of it is people are still trying to figure out what is the alternative to cash and other investments. So you're getting more as more of these become established, and Bitcoin is by far the biggest of the cryptocurrencies. You are having people seek it out as an alternative, as a all right, let's try it. It seems to be around for a while. We've got some track record. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, and obviously price action creates interest uh, because you know again it's gonna it's gonna give the uh, the, the the juice that everybody's looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, right now there's some price action in Bitcoin. It's actually up over thirteen twelve. Now where we got here? Uh, so you talked yeah, about twelve twelve three seventy. So nice. It's uh it's broken that twelve two mark. Um, and we'll see where it goes from here. See, I, I love know. the concept. I still am a big fan of cryptocurrencies. I think that that is the wave of the future. The trepidation I have, if you will, is that I still can't figure out why one Bitcoin is worth $13,000. Like, that, th- those numbers just don't compute. I know you shouldn't think about it that way. I know that's a, a false correlation. But it's still the way my mind works. And I go, huh, 
Okay. It's 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 that price because the same reason every other price is a price. Somebody said so. Because somebody wanted to buy it at that price, right? And somebody wanted to sell it at the other at the same price, there and go. there you go. It's There's a transaction. The That's what prices do. So, <laughs> um, let's shift gears a little bit. To well, I'm sure she dealt in in Bitcoin just because the way she lived her life. But um, your girl Jelaine Maxwell. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) trying to uh trying to get back into general population uh as a uh alleged child molester uh doesn't seem quite the norm for most child molesters usually they're trying to escape general population could you fathom a reason why ms maxwell would want to leave her protected isolated cell and go into general population as one of the most notorious child molesters in the history of the world how do i say this without without putting myself and my family in danger <laughs> since this is being recorded. Yes. Uh, and I think you need to look no further than her ex-partner, sure. uh, Mr. Epstein, who was in a high-security suicide watch, protective custody inside of a federal prison. And then, as luck would have it, two cameras simultaneously malfunction, two security guards fall asleep at the same time and stop doing their rounds, and he managed to hang himself with a sheet Made from a bedpost. Made of paper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, listen, I, I can't. I mean, it was denied. So, again, I just thought it was interesting that she's still basically grasping at anything she possibly can. She actually used um, Epstein as a, as a way of basically saying, hey, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be, uh, be treated like this because of Jeffrey Epstein. I'm my own person. But, again, and, and, and their argument was that she's being treated basically as a pedophile rapist. And that's how they're going to keep her there so i mean it's hard to argue with the logic uh i get it it's just one of those things that if what happened to epstein didn't happen you'd be like this is nuts she's just doing this for publicity but if if you look into how jeffrey epstein died and i I can't in good conscience continue to say killed himself but how jeffrey epstein died yeah you can't help but go i I get it i get why you'd feel safer in general population and i i have no sympathy i have no empathy for this woman i i have no i don't even uh, like good wishes or positive thoughts don't wish her well uh well listen i even thought this is the dark humor part of me i thought it was funny when he said it because he basically was like you're gonna die like it was just this tacit acknowledgement of like i wish you well because you know what's coming for you Real quickly, since we brought up presidential politics, do we want to touch on the vi- the new vice presidential uh, nominee, Kamala Harris? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a big deal that nobody seems to care about whatsoever. I mean, if she brings such a uh, a robust uh, additional uh, support to, to the Biden campaign from someplace, I don't know, I'm guessing all of her voters were voting for Biden already here. What are we doing? I mean, I, is that, did she move the needle at all? I don't know who she motivates Listen. to come out. I don't think it matters because I really still think, and I'm not sure how this affects the VP. I'm assuming that it does. They replace Biden at convention. They're replacing Biden at the convention. They will do it. Actually, they're they're probably better served to do it after the convention because then they don't need to have to worry about the delegates. So they could actually and get get through the convention, trigger a health alert of some sort on his cognitive uh, decline, and by executive decree, declare a new nominee. So I don't think that's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. Then it will be, you're so far down the rabbit Before hole. Before the debate. You're basically conceding the election at that point because you've, 
lost all any in any oil credibility. You're conceding the 2020 election if you do that. I, that's my opinion. Because well, I don't know they're how conceding the election if they run Biden. That's also a fair point. Here's my issue with with Kamala Harris. Number one, she is an underwhelming candidate, as was painfully obvious during all of the preliminary debates, and every time she got in front of a camera and changed her answer depending on who was asking the question, and her track record is not in line with the current policies of the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. She was a very tough prosecutor. She was tough on crime. She went after kids for truancy and everything else. So I don't, you're not going to swing any hardcore conservative, out like outspoken pro-criminal justice people over there with this pick. No. And you might actually turn some people off because I do think that this is a substantial movement because the expectation for the Joe Biden vice president is this person will have a disproportionate amount of authority compared to most historic vice presidential candidates. Right. And that's, I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't know that it's a joker really, but there's been this running narrative that whoever the vice president is really the, the president, uh, whoever's running the campaign behind the scenes is really running the president. But, it, you know, I've had friends of mine tell me that, you know, like, well, I'm really the, the chief of staff's probably going to be running the show. And I'm like, all right, well, we, you know, that chief of staff's not running for office, then right? Like, well, why are we voting for somebody who's right. not running for office here? So, um, and the reason is, obviously, it's just they're voting against the right. other candidate as opposed to voting for anything. Um, this tells me that they are counting heavily on this being more of an anti-Trump than a pro-anything they do. Yeah. Because otherwise, you like when Trump picked Mike Pence as a candidate, that made sense to me. Because Trump did not have strong conservative credentials, and the big concern was he's not going to be able to get the conservative Christian wing of the party out to vote for this guy who's on his fourth wife, 500th mistress, and all other unethical behaviors you could ever want. So he went out and got Mike Pence, who was a devout Christian, very conservative guy, and that sort of was a... Uh, I don't even know the right way, like a, a olive branch to the Christian sure. conservative wing of the party. So it, it was, made sense. It was it, a good right, political it move. Se- right. It seemed a calculated, well, you know, thought-out political move that seemed to work, right? It clearly worked. They won. So right. um, this so, does not seem like that. No. This seems like you're banking on Trump is such an awful candidate with so little support that it doesn't matter what we do. Now, here's the – you might be right, but that's also what Hillary Clinton thought. And the striking similarities, again, is let me see if you know this at home or if you know this. How many times has Joe Biden gone to Wisconsin? Oh, I'm going to guess zero. Hey, what do you know? That uh, worked out really well for Hillary. How, how many times has he left his basement? I mean, I, a handful, maybe? That's why um, I keep wondering about this. Like, eventually the predominant candidate from one of the two major parties has to go in public, right? No. Apparently not. Well, I don't know why, because I told you, they're going to replace him between the convention and the first debate. So who are they replacing him with? Well, that's a way better discussion, because I feel like my (laughs) conclusion is already almost a formality. Um, I mean, how about Governor Cuomo? He's clearly, you know, he's got a primetime speaking spot at the uh, Democrat convention, right? I heard a little preview of it today uh, in his uh, COVID uh, press conference where he got to, you know, give his speech again, or a precursor to his speech anyway, so... um, He's in the list. Uh, I'm guessing uh, Gavin Newsom, California governor, on the list. Um, I guess I'm missing some people, but there's a list. So I, I, if you go with Governor Cuomo, there's a few liabilities that you have to account for. One being what we have talked about ad nauseum on this show, which is the absolute blatant cover-up of nurse, nursing home death, stati- death statistics from the COVID-19 response. Number and real two, quickly, wait till you guys, I'm going to read through this article. Oh and if you're not as mad as I was, then 
you don't have a pulse. But anyway, continue, yeah, Mr. Hughesong. So that's one. Two is the absolute economic devastation that his response has brought upon New York State while also managing to get the worst results uh, from a mortality standpoint in the entire country. And I think, actually, if you're talking about a national election and trying to get swing state voters on board, his stance on gun control will be his undoing as a national candidate. It's what makes him unelected, because whether you agree, disagree, or wherever you feel, there's a whole lot of union, blue-collar Democrats that are very pro-gun, and his record on guns is not something that he's going to be able to sell in the, in the blue-collar areas of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Virginia, West Virginia. Like, you're going to have a real hard time selling that. So if they end up running a New York governor and a California senator, I can't think of a dumber combination to try to win back that the blue wall as it once was known I can't think of a less effective way of getting that unless all of your chips are in on Donald Trump is unelectable and people hate him. doesn't matter what we do. Well, I mean, there's a large stack of chips on that pile for sure. Um, I, you know, like you said, we, maybe I, they're right. I, I just feel like they can't put him on the debate stage. So they ha- there has to be another plan and the other plan is to replace him. And I think it's, they could do it at convention. It just, requ- it'll require the delegates to cooperate and do it. If that happens, then Kamala Harris is off. I mean, she's not on the, she's not the vice presidential nominee anymore. She could very well be the presidential nominee at some point. If the delegates decide that way, I can't imagine she was pulling at like 3% among Democrats as she left the race. So I'm assuming they could start from, I mean, they could legitimately pull Hillary out and run her again as the delegates and just run it, run with it. So um, I'm leaving all that, open for possibility and I am way more likely that Joe Biden is not participating as the presidential nominee in the first debate. And if we're all right, there's no way he participates in the second debate. So could they go to Bernie? No. Oh, come on. He's been such a good boy. His delegates will, they couldn't get him to even sniff the vice presidential race or the candidate, right? Not that he would, that, you know, he would have brought more people to the Biden camp, right? It would have been a olive branch, if you will. Um, maybe similar to, like, I mean, not, not the, the policy wise, but like Trump leaning on Pence is almost the same as Biden leaning on Bernie mm-hmm. establishment, leaning on an outsider here versus the other way around the other one. I don't know. Like I said, I, I just can't see Biden competing in debates and coming out, with more support than he went in, and therefore he can't participate. So, because he's going to continue to lose support. I, I mean, I think a great example was uh, he did that interview uh, for the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God, where he said, "If you have to, cho- if you're having trouble choosing between me and Trump, then you ain't black." And that was the big story. What got sort of glossed over in that is that was like a ten minute interview, and he got four fact checked lies, just outright not close to truths, in that interview before he closed off with. You ain't black. Like, this guy is, I'm at a loss, again, that this is, I thought 2016 was going to be the bottom of where we were at as far as presidential candidates. And I'm not sure that that was. This this could be Nope, this is worse. This is worse. There were so many, like, 
it's it's I mean, 330 listen, million people in this country. Hillary Clinton had her own health issues, but she seemed to at least have her marbles. Like this dude is Yeah, not, she just fell down a lot. He's not capable. It was crazy. He's not she, capable. Just, she just fainted periodically as she was leaving places he's and not, had to be yeah. carried out, which wasn't a reassuring thing, but uh, you could have dealt with that. You know, I don't even think Joe Biden has dementia or anything. I just think he doesn't have his fastball anymore. He's slipping, he's getting older, he's not as sharp as he once was, and you could tell me it's a stutter, but listen, there's 40 years of this guy giving public he can't, speeches. He can't pull a collective thought together. Right, so. it's he's struggling more than ever to do that. And, and when, you're then in when a debate, he does, oh my God, when the thought comes out, you just sit there staring at him going, what? Yeah. What? What? So hopefully, hopefully, if if Kamala is the 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 nominee, uh, Trump pulls out a bunch of uh, nonviolent criminals that were exonerated in California and sits them in the front row of the debate for her to stare at the whole time. That'll be fun. That would be fun. Well, here's the and here's the other half. Now, imagine how much Trump is going to be blasting about prison reform. Uh, the exact people she sent away are the people. Uh, not yeah, understand it, not the exact. It's federal versus state, but you understand the point I'm making at whole. It's yeah no it, it it could be I mean you know Trump Trump will use whatever he can use so I'm trying to wrap my brain around the fact that there is a very legitimate chance that Donald J Trump could go down as a two-term president of the United States I'm trying to I'm still trying to process that information and I like I can't my well, brain so, won't accept it Well so I just treat him as again he's a symptom of the problem right Agreed. so he's not the he's not the genesis of all the evil he's just a product of it so i can remove the name and just recognize that it is what it is like we've we've been voting for the lesser of two evils we have two options and they keep getting worse and worse and they don't really stand for anything at the very very tippy top of both parties they they stand for exactly the same thing they basically divide us on these small social issues that are very divisive and they keep us uh hating the other party so we're never really voting for anything we're always voting against the other party and that's where we're at and we keep get it's a downward spiral and here we are we have two terrible terrible candidates that you're supposed to pick between and they say, okay, yeah, you know, it's got it's a binary choice. You know, these are the two choices. Well, I mean, most people who know me know I'm not voting for either one of these people. Um, so there is more options on the ballot. And until more people wake up to the idea that having two options is a bad system and start voting for third and fourth and fifth options, then we're going to continue to have this spiral downward. Now, wait a minute. I saw your stuff on Facebook, and you did post stuff that was critical of Joe Biden. So please spare me. Obviously, you are a Trumper because it's impossible to criticize Joe Biden unless you are, in fact, a MAGA hat-wearing Trumper. Unless I'm criticizing Trump, then I'm a, you know, you know liberal whatever. Like So, like, you, you, you can't be one or the other. Um, you need well, to fit oh, into a nice little box, and you're not doing it well enough right uh, now, so I I'm going to need you to work on that. I mean, right? I, you know. My God. What are you trying to do? Confuse people and make them think something else? What's wrong with you? Stop bullying me, Ben. <laughs> Let's shift gears again to a, to a bully. Uh, Governor Cuomo today decided that today was the day that he was going to decide that it's safe for gyms to reopen, except it's going to be next week when they reopen. So August 24th, we'll quickly we'll touch on this, then I'm going to move into nursing homes. But I want to touch yeah. on his uh, his. We haven't got, I haven't seen the full posting of what was actually listed or posted for the, the guidance for the gym. So maybe there is an official posting now. He just had the press conference at 1130. We were going on live. Uh, I would like to blame that that was why I was uh, late getting on, but it yeah, wasn't, even though I was listening to it. <laughs> um, but so gyms can open August 24th. Thank God. 33% capacity. Masks at all time. Smart. No. 
and some ventilation protocols that needed to be met. Um, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I'm glad they're reopening, but come on. I mean, masks at all time, first of all. So what? You got these people running. I mean, listen, I worked in a gym for a little while. I don't know if you know this, Ben, but people breathe really, really heavy while they're working out. Because they're usually exerting a lot of force and energy, and it requires a lot of uh, oxygen intake. Makes sense. I'm wondering if the masks may prevent uh, the oxygen intake. Is that possible? Let's talk about overkill real quickly. All right, so 33% capacity is obviously meant so that you can't be within six feet of somebody else. They want to make sure there's proper spacing. So all of the recommendations on masks say, for the most part, wear a mask when you cannot maintain social distance. So to wear a mask while you're also 10 feet away from someone is overkill, obviously. And that's just common sense. Number two would be that if you need this great air filtration system or whatever it is, this purified oxygen to clean up We haven't up seen everything. the exact guidance of what he's saying Shocking. yet. He just basically said HVAC... Yeah, whatever. All right, so now we've got the air purifier combined with the mask, combined with the distance, all for a population of people that, again, you do not have to go to a gym if you are in a high-risk health category or if you will be around people that are. So, again, we're going to essentially shut down these businesses because if you've never owned a business, I can assure you that if you can handle 100 people, and your business is set up to handle 100 people, and you only get 33 at maximum, you will not be in business for terribly long. Almost no business can you do that in. I'm not aware of any. And, Rook, I did reach out to Nikki Polos. If you remember her, we interviewed her. She's the owner of Aspen Athletic Club here locally in Syracuse. She owns four athletic clubs, uh, employs like 160 people. She's been shut down for, I guess, now 170 days. Um, I reached out to her for a comment when this guidance came out, and obviously because there is still no official guidance posted yet on the state website, uh, she's not sure that she can open up on August 24th. She doesn't really know what she needs yet on top of what she's already done. Um, so we're waiting to see how this unfolds here, but I kind of wanted to give you guys an update as that was kind of a big thing in the press conference today, uh, that Cuomo was, uh, allowing gyms to reopen. I believe bowling alleys can open too, Ben. So we, uh, you know, go hit the lanes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm doing every other, every other lane or something and you gotta, I don't know. It was some other stuff that you had to figure out, but this is just, it's insane to me how much we have just accepted and there's no real choice in the matter, but why people are not more skeptical. I don't understand the benefit of the doubt going to, well, obviously this is going to keep people safe. And then you start breaking it down and going, how? How does this make any difference? I mean, if you're already going to be socially distanced, you're already going to stand apart from each other, and you can apply common sense as an adult that you to, to mandate that I have to wear a mask, I'm going to assume they're going to make an exception for cardio machines, at least I hope. Because I don't think any doctor in the world would recommend you wearing a mask while running. I, oh, I don't want to say. <laughs> it's entirely possible. I didn't see, I didn't see there were any exception. They just said mask at all times. That was, that was on the, uh, the PowerPoint presentation from your governor. He's still your governor, too, as much as oh, you yeah. don't want him to be. Um, here's, I guess here's the larger issue I have with it. I don't think Andrew Cuomo is a particularly evil person. I, I don't. I don't think that he's... Anything more than your typical politician, which sees every problem through the lens of, well, thank God that you have me to solve this, and I will take care of this, and everybody just get behind me and watch me work. And he and, is the 
he thinks he's the superhero of politicians. Correct. And they inevitably make things worse. 100% of the time, this is where a lot of, if you've been following politics for a long time, you start to notice a pattern of, my God, you could make anything worse. It, it's absolutely incredible how bad government is at everything they do. I shouldn't say bad. That's the wrong word. How inefficient they are and how much overkill is involved at every step of the way. So he steps in and says, I'm going to save the day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I've got this and we're going to protect the hospitals and we need 40,000 ventilators and I need PPE and we're going to send the nursing homes back to make sure they don't overwhelm it and Trump's not giving me the, the stuff that I need. And you're going, all right, well, pause because what you're doing doesn't make sense anymore. You're making it about you and not about solving the problem. So then, and we'll get into this in just a minute, the nursing homes go bad. The hospitals do not get overrun. You did not need 40,000 ventilators. And you have some of the worst results for any state in the union. And now you're just doing damage control. Now you're just in full-on cover mode. So the best way to cover is you still need me. I may have made some mistakes, but I'm still here protecting you. Thank God we've got government to keep you all safe. Because apparently you are too stupid and incompetent to figure out how to stay away from each other and not get a virus. It's not like that's something we've been talked to about hand-washing and proper hygiene since 1980, 1970. I, I don't know. But it's gotten to the point of if you're still looking at this man as some type of savior or heroic political figure that he was just the right leader at the right time, honestly, what could change your mind? Well, how, what numbers would you have to see for you to go, oh, he screwed up? That being said, there's, I'm still you know, finding people who do not know about the nursing home thing. So either it's not being reported in the right spots, you know, it's not being reported where the people are, are these other supporters, if you will, are, are not seeing the, the, the other evidence that's out there against him. Yeah. Um, so let's bring up this, this ProPublica article. I posted it in the, in, in the page here. So, so follow along if you can. Um, it's just going to make me upset. Yeah, it's terrible. I know I read um, it. Let's hope I can get actually get this to uh, play here. Right now, it's not playing. So, let's. I'm going to read from it anyway. But I'm going to go. There we go. Um, so this was ProPublica. So local officials say a nursing home dumped residents to die at hospitals. So this article is from August 11th. Um, uh, subtitle here is the deaths of 18 residents of New York nursing homes highlight the continuing controversy over Cuomo's administration's decision not to count deaths in hospitals as nursing home deaths. The home denies the allegations, right? So this is a, an article that outlines a series of events that happened at this hospital um, where 18 deaths occurred, all coming from the same nursing home, but they were spread out amongst multiple hospitals over multiple days, basically in an effort to make the nursing home deaths lower and without causing alarm by sending them all to one hospital all at the same time, they spread them out over multiple hospitals to do this. So we have this, we have this, uh, uh, one instance in one hospital or one nursing home over several hospitals. I can't imagine this is an isolated incident. Um, I'm going to go on to read here just a real quick here because there was, this is kind of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks here is that New York counts our nursing home deaths differently than every other state. So if you contract the virus in a nursing home and then are transferred to a hospital and therefore, and then die after at the hospital, you are not counted in the nursing home death total like you are in all the other states. So we have this distortedly no number, uh, something like in the 6,500 death yeah. mark um, that is 
just low. It's it's lower than the number is, and everybody knows it. Uh, you know that the, there's been Senate hearings on this. Everybody who's aware, of the, even the the uh, Commissioner Zucker is aware that the number is higher. He just doesn't hasn't broadcast or publicized that number. He doesn't uh, have the accurate number yet, Sean. I'm guessing he has a number or at least a ballpark number, and probably has since the beginning. Um, but it's the it's it's the timing of when they changed that strategy, right? So there was this breakout amongst the nursing homes. And as the breakout was happening, that's when they changed the recording method. So as the number was spiking, this was a way to basically distract from the idea that the spike was happening strictly in nursing homes and made it seem like the deaths were happening elsewhere because they were all being recorded as hospital deaths and the public did not know and the media did not report on this accurately, or maybe they didn't know either, but they were just reporting on deaths. So as every Jane Doe watcher of the news was seeing death counts, they weren't being put in context that they were primarily happening in nursing homes. And this was happening in not just New York, even though we lead the league in deaths and nursing home. Well, not according to Cuomo, we don't lead the league in nursing home deaths. We're 35th, which is just a nonsense on its face. So anyway, this article outlines just one instance, one nursing home where it's it's clear evidence or it, it's it seems like a smoking gun, if you will, for the way that nursing homes were trying to distort their numbers to keep their death toll low. Yes. And listen, there's two things um, that I think you need to talk about in this regard. Number one, is it you unloaded a bunch of patients into hospitals that all had do not resuscitate orders in place, no more life-saving treatment. So the idea being, why did you send them to the hospital? What was the goal? Because obviously they were going to die. Like they had gotten to the point they were going to die, so they sent them to the hospital. Now you can make an argument that while it's normal protocol, when you once the patient gets past the point where the nursing home can provide care, normal standard protocol is they go to a hospital. That's what you do. And then if they die there, they die there. That's fine. And you could also have on the other end of the spectrum, the somebody in the nursing home said, well, holy crap, these people are going to die. And if they keep dying in our facility, this is going to look really bad. So let's send them to the hospital so they die there. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think that it is – I don't think there's ever one reason for taking any action. I think that there's always multiple factors that go into play. And I think if you're going to allege – that the final counts and mortality counts did not at least play a role, I think you have, um, I think it's wishful thinking. I think that absolutely plays a role because it's going to shape into your process. Otherwise, again, if they have do not resuscitate, no life-saving treatment, and you know they're, forgive the crassness of this expression, but spiraling the drain, why? Yeah, and this goes to exactly what you were saying. So I have this article pulled up so everybody can see it now. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to read this highlighted portion that I have for you guys. Um, again, this is, you know, in reference to this one facility and, and uh, the dropping off of these uh, um, basically patients that were on their deathbed. Um, so she didn't have the detailed medical records for the patients, but she noted that all of them arrived at the hospital with orders saying no extraordinary measures were to be taken to keep them alive. As a result, she and the Columbia health director developed a theory. For me, said Jack, Jack Mab, the health director, it appears they were sending people to the hospital so they wouldn't die in their facility. 
And so right underneath there, you can see underneath there. So like a change in the way that the that New York tabulated their nursing homes could have incentivized such behavior, making the records COVID-19 containment appear better than they were. So basically, again, they were distorting the numbers. Uh, I'm assuming that the state, you know, overseeing these uh, facilities were keeping an eye on their death tolls. And if they were, you know, I'm not saying that the state was telling these facilities to send them to the hospitals, but if they're incentivized to do so, they're going to do so. They're going to try to make themselves look as best as they can. And if they found a way out, they found a way out. And they can justify to themselves by saying, well, maybe the hospital can do something that we can't do here. That's that's the other half of the coin is they may never say, yeah, that's why we did it, because they may have convinced themselves that they did it for the right reasons. Uh, I, look, the other half of this coin is very simple. New York State has about 33,000 people that died with COVID-19. New Jersey's the next closest state with about 16,000, and then it goes down from there, all right? If the virus in and of itself is the most deadly, the most threatening to people in nursing homes, it's, that's the age, that's the comorbidity, that, comorbidity, and that's the proximity that is the most threatening to any person. So every other state is seeing, out of if you look at their total number of deaths, with COVID, uh, and then nursing homes as a percentage of that, their numbers are somewhere between 40 and 80%. That's like a standard range that you're seeing, and usually it's it's airing on the higher side of how many people passed away. It's between 40 and 80%. So if you're going to tell me that somehow New York State, who had the most deaths, the worst, the worst response, and had this executive order in place that did say the nursing homes had to take these patients and couldn't test for it, Somehow that resulted in us having a 15% nursing home deaths as a total of deaths. 15%. When the national averages of every other state are somewhere between 40 and 80. is a, It's a pretty wide range, but that's the range. We have 15? Like, yeah. you're asking me to believe things that don't follow reason and logic whatsoever. Yeah, well, your governor believes it. Like I said, he bragged about it. It's unbelievable. What is it? I don't know. Last week at the press conference where he was boasting, you know, when I can't remember who who in the media asked him about the death count, he basically said, "Hey, we're thirty fifth ranked in uh, nursing home deaths. So go ask the other thirty four states about them before you start asking me." So, um, at least they have real numbers. Yeah, I'm gonna continue reading from this article here. I got this this section highlighted. Here. It's like there. This is from uh, the the director there again of this uh, facility. It's like there are very few legitimate reasons for a nursing home to send seriously ill residents with do not resuscitate orders to a hospital unless there's a real chance that the conditions could be improved. It's like we flagged it for the state. We told the Department of Health we thought something big was going on. So the state knew early on, this is this is April, so it wasn't like the state was, or these, these hospitals weren't seeing clues that this was happening and didn't alert the state. So even if they didn't ask or mandate or uh, hint at these uh, nursing home facilities to start sending residents to hospitals they did it anyway through the incentivization of whatever they were given and after the fact the state was alerted to it and still did nothing about it this is going back to the executive order that started on may march 25th didn't wasn't rescinded until may 10th so this is right in the middle of that huge spike of cases and deaths that were happening and we were not getting clear numbers at this time so this is where the state and you know i can't imagine that cuomo wasn't micromanaging this 
like he does everything else, was well aware of what was going on and basically was trying to cover his, the, the, the numbers with, um, or, or at least not allowing, you know, proper inspection of the numbers by not making them public, right? So this, this distortion of the way they were counted allows the waters to maintain to be muddied and we don't really know what we're looking at. So, again, not saying that he is like an evil person that set out to do this. What the, the most likely course of action that happened based on all of the available evidence and research that I have done is they instituted the rule about how they were counting nursing home deaths because they were concerned about double counting deaths from hospitals and nursing homes. That was a legitimate concern that they didn't want to have happen. They didn't want to have somebody who got sick in a nursing home and didn't return the nursing home counted and the hospital counted. Fair enough. That makes sense. But then what happened is they realized that that was making them look way better. And that is, in my opinion, completely evidenced by the fact that Governor Cuomo and the Department of Health in their report analyzing the response both pointed out the nursing home statistics as a reason to show that New York State got it right. Like, that is so disingenuous and so intentionally misleading that anybody above a fourth-grade education would be able to tell that they did that knowing full well it was false. There's no way around that. So, all right, you got into it for, I won't call it good or bad, just you got through it by circumstance, realized it was better, continued going on this, never getting called out on it by any member of the media that you're addressing every day. Nobody's bringing it up except maybe once every three weeks you have to deal with the question, and you just sweep it under the rug. So now here we are five months later, and now people are asking the question. And now it's not just reporters. Now it's other politicians. Now it's other politicians in your own party. Now there's uh, tons of people that are wanting answers to this question of why would you do this and how could you maintain this? What's the real number? For you to come out and say, I'm not going to even give you a ballpark until we have accurate data, indicates to me you're still trying to cover this up. Why do you? What do you mean you don't have accurate data? You don't, you're not within... Let's call it 95% certainty you have that number. Of course you do. There's, nursing homes are so highly regulated in New York State, there is no way you couldn't take one intern, give them one week, and get every name and place of death of every resident in the state who passed away. There's no shot. Of course you could. You don't want the number. You don't want to know it. Or you have it, and it's so bad you don't want to cover it. It is entirely feasible that that number is not 6,400 people, that that number is 20,000. Is that the real number? I don't know. Could be 10. I know it's not 6,400. That's, yeah, that's what I, I know. mean. At minimum, you know, I've seen a bunch of these reports who have tried to figure out, you know, do these hypotheticals and, you know, where they can find the, 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 a, a more accurate number. And the, the lowest number I've seen is an additional 1,600, right? So that puts you at 8,000 minimum. Um, if that's you know, true, that's the they are the luckiest state I've ever seen. They have they are like lucky I said. If you just look I've at the surrounding seen. areas, right. it's not that right. So, like you know, I was just sharing the Pennsylvania data. So, forty eight hundred of their seven thousand deaths are nursing home deaths. That's seventy percent, right? So, I don't believe it's eight thousand. I think it's ten thousand, fifteen thousand, maybe closer to twenty thousand. If in fact it's twenty thousand, and this is obviously this is a, a hypothetical here, but if it's twenty thousand then what are we doing here? Like, we, we, this has not been for nothing, but, like, we could have identified this and, and controlled this at a much earlier rate without destroying the lives of millions of people all across the country and destroying businesses and the, the livelihoods and the way we, you know, just operate as, as a people yeah. 
for something that basically could have been controlled in a handful of states early on? I don't know what you do. Honestly, I, I don't. Because if the number's that high, and look, I, the states that made prioritizing nursing home protection and getting the PPE to the nursing homes all have lower fatality rates of nursing homes compared to their overall death count. They still have fatalities. Listen, it's a virus. As soon as it got here, people were going to die. It was that simple. It's a virus. It's a very lethal virus for people that are old and have health conditions. It's not as lethal for the rest of the people, but if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, um, a couple other illnesses, it's very, very threatening. The virus got here. People were going to get sick. People were going to die. It was about minimizing that. You were never going to be able to get perfect. So New York State, we did literally everything wrong. We didn't prioritize nursing homes. We sent the sick people back into nursing homes. Governor Cuomo during a press conference when he was at finally asked, hey, the nursing homes are all saying they don't have enough PPE. His response was, it's not our job to give them PPE. Yeah, there's even been some... some well, at least we found that. one so, thing that he doesn't view as his job. That's a plus. And, and, and Zucker, well, I guess, <laughs> Zucker, Commissioner Zucker had had to kind of walk back some things because he basically had said that, oh, everybody had PPE. You know, it was, I, this was not a, a, a problem. Uh, and then people kept pulling up issues and, and reports back to where it was a problem. So um, I want to read. obviously a problem. Sorry, I may have read this quote on, on the previous show, but I want to reread it again because I feel like this is where we're at. Um, This is from the State Senate Health Committee Chairman Gustavo Rivera. Um, He's a Democrat from the Bronx, you know, suggested that the final count needed to see what the administration was doing, which is what we're saying, right? So we we, we don't got this total count number, so we don't have a way of evaluating the performance, even though Governor Cuomo is taking victory laps. But this is his quote. It's like, it seems, sir, that in this case, you're choosing to define it differently so you can look better. Like, that is a problem, bro. So he basically calls out Commissioner Zucker and the state for saying, hey, what are you guys doing? He's like, you know, we can't even evaluate your performance because you can't even give us a number. Right. Now, mind you, not giving in the number is poor performance too, right? So like this, and I feel like there is some heat coming from the, 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 the party of the governor, from the Democrats too, about this because they realized that he made a mistake here. So um, I, the cover up is worse than the crime. For sure, for sure. Right. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to read roll through this here but we touched on a little bit here but some of this was the 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 testing concerns and this is um if you guys don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna promote a uh uh, a future episode of uh, sports clicks and politics here we're gonna uh, in two weeks august 31st we have county executive ryan mcmahon on the program so he's gonna do a live interview and i'm hoping to touch base with some of this stuff and the confusion with the, the nursing home counts and trying to figure out um what happened um, or at least maybe we can get a, uh, a small microcosm of what happened here in Onondaga County with those counts and see if we can kind of, you know, see what we could have done better. Um, but I a think lot. that's that's some of that, and I, I'm going to bring this up with the, with the executive then, was the testing ban. So I'm, I'm pretty sure and that we were prohibited as a county here from testing our nursing home facilities for these incoming patients. That is true. In large part because I'm guessing they didn't want us to know, right? So, like, as these people were coming in, they didn't want them to be able to refuse them for any reason. Um, or they didn't want to be able to track the any additional virus back to an incoming patient that wasn't tested, right? They could have plausible deniability. So, there's this double, <laughs> this double you know, combination of this forcing 
former positive patients back into these homes and then not allowing to test these patients as they're coming in to see if they're still carrying the virus. That they can't be dismissed as it was in the you know the self report from the commissioner, um, basically saying, oh that that those those factors didn't really factor into to this, this outbreak. So there is massive confusion about the number, which has allowed us to not have a fair evaluation of the performance of the governor and the health commissioner in this state and anybody else who was involved in making these decisions. And I, you know, I don't want to leave out New Jersey and Michigan and all these other states who, who enacted similar, similar, because at the early, at the early parts of this pandemic, if we would have known they were all, or 70%, if that's a true number, were coming from nursing homes, we could have controlled this much easier than masks, social distancing, and business lockdowns. There's a, we know where the, where the vulnerable people were and where the outbreaks were happening. There hasn't been outbreaks almost anywhere else in any other kind of industry or any kind of walk of life. I well, mean, you can plenty of case spread, but not the deaths. Right. It's, 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 they were very, very vulnerable group of people that I'm not saying we could have protected all of them by any means, but if we just would have taken the precautions that we took to lock down the, the, the rest of the state the and gyms. took some of the, some of the, yeah, if we took the, if we didn't lock down the gyms and lock down the nursing homes, maybe we would have had a different result here. So well, it's, you. it's a terrible, I mean, it's a, a mind boggling set of circumstances that happened basically through the governor's, through the governor's actions here and executive orders. And I'm waiting for somebody from the Democrats. It's going to have to be from the Democrats because nobody's going to take the Republicans seriously. They have to, they have, well, not in the state anyway, they have to take back the, 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 the power of, of the state through the legislature. Um, they have to remove this emergency executive, this emergency yeah. situation. It's, it's over. Right. So like this has to be done. Um, they need to put some checks and balances back into how the state is operating because right now it's being operated by one man and, you know, we're at the bottom of the list. So, again, if you're going to believe these claims out of the governor's office, then here's what you have to believe, that even though we set up the rules to say you couldn't deny somebody admission or readmission to a nursing home because of a positive COVID test, you're not allowed to test them in the first place when they're coming in. Uh, you don't have enough PPE at the nursing homes, and nursing homes all, or I shouldn't say all, there were multiple nursing homes that emailed the governor and the Department of Health and said, I, we have nothing. I don't know what you want us to do. And they got back some standard response of like, well, here's the best way to use PPE. Yeah, they were, they were reusing like, we a 95 PPE. And, and wearing trash bags. Right. So, okay, you got all those. And then you also, of course, have the provision that the governor put in that nursing homes and nursing home executives were not able to be sued because of a corona death or corona death a coronavirus death during this time because it's a pandemic and it wouldn't be right all right i mean that's that's all really suspicious so we do all of these things we do not protect the nursing homes we actually actively put people in the nursing homes who have the virus and they don't have the ppe but i'm still supposed to believe that 15% of our deaths were in nursing home which means 85% of our deaths were outside of nursing homes 85 so either uh, you are so incredibly lucky when it came to nursing homes that you it was an act of god that you had so few of your nursing home patients die compared to the overall death rate or you were so unlucky and incompetent in every other way that somehow 27,000 people from the general population of your city and your state died 
Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't the math what? doesn't work? No, no, no part of this lines up. It, it, you're asking me to believe things that cannot both be true. So if the nursing home death is accurate, then you screwed up something else, or we had an act of God that was so unlucky that it's it defies logic, reason, and words. You're not talking about ten thousand deaths versus nine thousand. You're not. If you let's and let's include New Jersey is along with New York because a lot of most of their deaths are upper New New sure. Jersey that you know is related to New York as long as you're actually being genuine. So forgetting yeah, that. Yeah, you can put some of Connecticut in there, too. They didn't fare well either. So if you do that and you say, okay, 33,000 deaths in the state of New York, and then everybody else is at 10,000 or below, you're not talking 10 versus 9. You're talking about triple the deaths of any other state. Same with, uh, with the rate of death, deaths per million of population. Uh, if you don't count New Jersey, it's, it's not even close to what the average state had. So I don't understand how you can, oh, well, it's so different because it's population dense. It's not that population dense. It's only population dense if you compare it to America. Oh, it's an international hub. Yeah, again, there's, there's cities around the world that get way more. Oh, it came there first. No, it didn't. It was on the West Coast first. Illinois was ahead of us. There was a lot of states that had coronavirus cases prior to New York registering its first one. If you are still fighting this, what would it take to make you say, I really got that bad. How many, how many deaths? I mean, is there a way, be honest with yourself, is there anything you could see that would make you go, yeah, that was bad? Or is it just no matter what you're looking for the excuse? Yeah, I would tell them to read this ProPublica article, right? So like, yeah. it, it basically outlines what we've been talking about for the last four weeks here at least about this mismanagement of the nursing home and the, the distorted facts that are being made public and the cover-up that it is. So... I hope this gets out more. Like I said, I haven't really seen much local reporting on this. Um, I've seen some AP pieces here and there. Like I said, this ProPublica piece was really, really good. Yeah. Um, infuriating, but really, really good. Um, and, and it's starting to come out, and there's there's starting to trickle out there. But, you know, and trying to piggyback to what we were talking about earlier, if, 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 my, if I'm right and somehow Biden has replaced a convention and Cuomo is brought in as the savior, like this has to be part of the discussion um, because it's, it's his doing like it, it's so many things point back to him and his actions and his management of the crisis. And yet here he is again in his pre- press conference today talking about how great the government was basically patting himself on the back indirectly by saying that, you know, what will we do without the government as you suggested earlier? So um, it's again, it's, I don't think this is anywhere near over because, you know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And we I think more and more people are. Notion. Yeah, I think more and more people are paying attention to it or becoming aware of it. And hopefully that increases the awareness of it, too, because um, it was it was not handled well. It was it's, you know, again, I, you know, I, I at the risk of signing hyperbolic here. But if there was not an, a massive spike in nursing home deaths in April, we would not be in this situation across the country, maybe even the world, right? So like we had these early hotspots of China and Italy and then New York took over as the hotspot in the whole world. And if we could have just controlled it, knowing that it was going to be, excuse me, in nursing homes, I don't know that it would have played out as drastic as it played out as it did. So I agree with that. And it's, it's, it's troubling to know that the number could be as high as 20,000 deaths. It's it, listen, it, it, and it goes to take it a step further. If you look at what we have done, I, I don't think people can really wrap their brains around how bad this could actually be for New York State. 
of, and it's not just the virus, it's the virus and then the protest and the response by NYPD on top of it. So it's like this perfect storm of factors that did start by having an economic shutdown and shutting down an entire state um, for weeks indefinitely. You're just shut down and then you're opening at a partial capacity. But look, New York State is not a, it's not a secret that we have high taxes in New York State between property tax, school tax, sales tax, income tax, all business taxes, all of this stuff is very high tax and it's a very high social benefit state. So the whole system only works if you have a high tax revenue coming in. And Governor Cuomo even acknowledged this, I think it was two years ago, when he said, God forbid the rich people leave. I mean, Governor Cuomo has been calling wealthy people that normally live in New York City, telling them to come over and he will cook for them to get them back to New York. So if that doesn't give you an indication of how bad this could be, I don't know what does, because... Look, New York City forever has been able to cure all the ills because it was the center for banking and it was the center for financials, uh, investments, Wall Street and all that. The banks started getting out of Manhattan and downtown New York City about two years ago, and now this has just sped it up. The other thing now with financial firms, you don't actually need to be in New York City. You don't need to be on Wall Street with all 10,000 people for you to run a financial firm at this point. You could probably get by with 20 people and a 400 square, uh, probably a 1,000 square foot office. You don't need all this space. So once this happened and we shut everything down and everybody went to work remotely, a lot of these firms realized it and went, we don't really need to be here. So now there's estimates that say 40% reduction at a minimum. All of these places are coming back, best case scenario, 60% of what they once were. So here's the bigger problem. If you don't need to go to work every single day in downtown Manhattan, how long are you going to continue living in New York City where you're paying an exorbitant amount of taxes and you're doing that to remote work? No, eventually you're going to go somewhere a little further away where you could still get into the city if you needed to, but you're going to pay way less in taxes. And now as that goes down, that's less tax revenue. The business is going to have less tax revenue. The executives were going to have they're going to get out the property tax. Now you don't have these properties filled because nobody needs to pay that much anymore because the bandwidth is so much better now and the remote, the the capability for remote work is so much greater now than it was even 10 years ago. So what we actually did is this problem, in my opinion, was inevitable. It was going to come. We fast forwarded it because ultimately I don't think people are good, bad, or, or anywhere in between. I think for the most part, people are, self-interested first. I I think that's a a quality of human nature. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just is. So knowing full well, these companies, if they want to remain competitive, they can't afford to pay $15,000 a month to rent their office space when their competitor is paying five to do the same thing. It's too big of an advantage to give to your competitor. So now they, they can undercut you on price because their expenses drop so much. Also wait until you see what unemployment insurance is going to cost next year for these businesses. Just wait, because this is going to be insane. So long-term consequences, people are acting as if this is going to be nothing. And I actually think for most of the country, they will recover relatively quickly. New York will not. New, New York is going to have a hard time coming back from this. And New I, York City specifically. Oh, my God, I don't know. In New York, as New York City goes, the state goes, because sure. there's, most of our tax revenue comes from there. So, I, you know, we've had this particular governor in office a while, I don't think cutting spending is high on his priority list. Not yet. Right. So if you're not going to cut spending, what do you do? Do you keep raising taxes on the rest of us who live upstate and, and I can't afford to pay that? 
Like, at what point is this, you have to acknowledge, things are fundamentally different now, and I I don't know what you do. Genuinely, I I don't know what you do at this point. I don't know what the answer is. Like I said, I've I've seen, I've read a lot of, uh, you know, very scary uh, scenarios that could play out for New York City that where it doesn't come back, and like you said, it's 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 just a, a shell of itself. So, right. and listen, one one step further down that rabbit hole, if you will. Sorry, I, once I get talking on this, That's I can't good. stop myself. Um, as you're talking about the different tax revenues of of where they're going to go to, and New York City specifically relies on all this income. When that goes away. The, the commercial property values are going to drop, and you're already seeing this in Manhattan. They're down 30%, 40%. Because, again, people don't need to be there. So if you don't need to be there, why are you paying this much to stay there? And if you look at economic growth, uh, everybody knows first quarter uh, GDP dropped uh, for first quarter 2020 national GDP. What we don't talk about is New York's GDP also dropped, but it dropped by about 8% in the first quarter alone. The second quarter estimate is that it dropped about another 16%. So I don't know what portion of the national GDP New York makes up, but I would imagine it's not, sizable. Yeah, it's sizable. It's got to have a significant impact. You're talking about the financial and economic center of the country. So I would imagine that's going to have a huge impact. So second quarter has dropped 16%, whereas national dropped about 8%. So New York has dropped it twice the GDP fall that that the rest of the country had and now as more country or excuse me as more states are opening back up we're not what do you think our third quarter GDP is going to be yeah. it's it's not going to keep up it, it's going to be down again and at some point I, and I know people oh it's economics how can you talk about money when people are risking their lives or whatever else fine <laughs> you need to have a job you need to have you have people have to have the ability to go and produce and be a member of society so that they can provide a life for themselves, their children, their families. This is how a society works. If you're not letting people do that, do you think there's going to be no consequences to that? Do you think you're going to be able to snap your fingers and tax the billionaires and everything's going to be fine? Like they're not going to leave? Yeah. No, like I, I said I it'll I I you know, I know New York City has been resilient over time. I I don't know. I feel like this is different. So they still might bounce back, but if you think it's going to happen quick, I think you're yeah, nuts. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I I did talk to a buddy of mine who's uh, got quite a little ATM empire down there in New York City, and he said he's back to about seventy percent of his business. So good signs, I guess. That's a positive. Um, so we'll see. Um, I I don't think it's over yet. Obviously, nothing in New York is still. We're not fully reopened, so there's always going to be some limitations on our uh, economic upside, and we're going to have to deal with it. So. Yeah, I guess that that is what it is. And unfortunately, I I still do think that once the leases are up for your major investment firms, your major, major players down there that have huge offices and headquarters uh, down on Avenue of the Americas and all this other stuff. And now they realize they don't need seven floors uh, in this in these towers. They need one. All right, you're not going to see the the immediate response to that or the immediate consequences. It's going to take time but it's inevitably going to come. It's just a matter of when, unless you are so optimistic that some other industry that has the kind of profits that the financial industry has, that banks have, and that for some reason want to pay three times more in property, rent, and taxes than anywhere else in the country. Huh. I, I don't know what industry that is. Uh, the military. 
I mean, sure. <laughs> they can move I, the Pentagon down maybe. Manhattan. I, like, I'm at a loss for what you do to replace this as this happens. And I got nothing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how where it ends. Um, but it's not good. It's not ugly. Or, I mean, it is ugly. And, you know, we're... You know, I guess we'll call it progress. We get some bowling alleys and gyms and, uh, you know, I guess movie theaters still not open yet. So, well, thank God. So, I mean, there's lives at stake, Sean. I mean, I'd bring, I'd go into Petowood here, but I won't. Um, on the plus side, at least I get to go and help my, I have my two sons playing travel baseball tonight out in skinny Atlas and I'm the assistant coach. At least every kid on our team between the ages of eight and 10 has to wear a mask the entire time they are on the baseball field. Oh, my God. Right. Thank God. And we're limited to 10 fans being in attendance. If we show up with more than 10 Other tickets? fans, could be they will shut the game You down. should sell tickets. Oh, my God. You should sell tickets. And I just all I could do is shake my head and go, okay, it's your park. It's your rules. My yeah. town shut down all the yeah. baseball no. fields, so at Take least you're where doing you get that. It, I guess, yeah. But at what point can we go back to common sense and reason? At what point can we go back to this idea of, hey, let's try to make this less intrusive for the same results rather than seeing who can have the most drastic overkill and they, we call them the winner. Yeah, it seems like there's a competition in that regard. So, All right, folks. I do want to touch on – I mentioned uh, – I want to mention our next two shows because we have really, really good guest mm-hmm. interviews coming up the next two weeks. I mentioned uh, County Executive Ryan McMahon. So Onondaga County Executive will be with us live for our first live interview on Monday, August 31st. Uh, so we're going to go straight into the interview at noon there. So don't be late. I'll try to have everything uh, ready to go this time. So don't we're not, screw it up. Not screwing it up. Um, but next week, um, we're going to throw a curveball at you and go a little bit away from uh, traditional sports clicks and politics, and this is going to focus on the clicks part. So we're going to talk the sun, space weather, how that affects earthquakes, the climate, and maybe we'll touch on the end of the world. So you might want to be uh, informed on when that's going to happen. We might have some uh, time frames for the end of the world for you. So... Um, end of the world so sensationalist. Well, it's, I'm st- I was going for clicks. That's fair. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, what really what I was hoping for is, um, so he runs this guy's name is Ben Davidson. He's the uh, runs multiple websites called the uh, Suspicious Observers. If you go check out his YouTube page, Suspicious Observers, Observers is spelled with a zero. Obviously. So suspicious also spelled zero, zero observers. Um, but he's got something like 470,000 plus, uh, subscribers to his YouTube channel. Uh, I've been following this guy for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, something like that, maybe even longer. And it's fascinating. So, um, it's going to be super, super interesting for me. Um, hopefully we'll keep Ben up to speed here next week and we'll get him going on, uh, coronal mass ejections and all that good stuff. Yeah. No, that sounds fun. A lot of echoes. Sorry, go ahead. I uh, know I was just throwing out terms to try to confuse you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so I'm new to this world of the uh, the, the climate center, the sun centered climate theory, and and weather and earthquakes and um, devastation that can be wrought. Yeah. Uh, look, obviously, it, anything that you come in that challenges all of the things you thought you knew, you're you're always a little skeptical of. It's fascinating to listen to this guy's talk and and how. I don't necessarily want to say that it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but it's well thought out, it's well researched, and it's not just some like guy with a cardboard sign and a tinfoil hat saying the end is near. It is 
looking through a historical lens and looking at things that nobody ever actually talks about. And I remember one of the ways you, you got me turned on to this was you said, when it comes to climate change, how many studies talk about the impact of the sun and the, and the solar flares on climate change? And I was I, I have no idea. So then I got sent over there and started doing some more research on it. And look, it will challenge some of the things you already think. It will be outside the box, as far outside sure. of the box as you can be. But I'm telling you right now, it's fascinating. Uh, it's worth the listen. It's, I, I can't wait to talk to this guy. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little intimidated. But I'm going to hold up and do my best. And I'll try to ask the questions that us common non-conspiracy theorist folks would well, want to know. And like I said, I, I, I think, I mean, I'm in the same, you know, I'm not a, you know. Tell me you're not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. Well, no, I, I love my, my fair share of conspiracies. Um, but this, you know, this guy works with, you know, scientists from NASA and the right. JPL labs and stuff. So it's not like he's tinfoil. He's, he's, uh, you know, he legitimately every day for something like 10 years or something, he has put out a space weather news report in the morning every day. Maybe other than when uh, I think he did actually do it when his daughter was born too. So uh, I, I, like this guy is consistent. He's been putting out information every single day that kind of uh, builds on itself. Uh, that the the information that you learned last week can build on the stuff that you learned this week, and it's all focused on the sun and how it intera- interacts with the planets, specifically uh, with our planet, and again on how that triggers earthquakes, how that affects climate, how it affects our weather. Um, and how it affects uh, a catastrophe cycle, which is really where I talk about the end of the world. So uh, it's very fascinating, and I am super geeked out and excited about the interview. I Hopefully, I can talk to him for three hours instead of the 40 minutes that we have si- lined up for him. So um, please tune in next week. Uh, I'll post some stuff all week trying to give you guys some information, some homework to do for Mr. Davidson. So if you guys have some questions... Uh, be sure to tune in, and then be sure to tune in the following week uh, for our first live interview with County Executive Ryan McMahon. Uh, I want to thank him and Ben for both taking their time out to uh, come join us on the little program here and uh, you know, give us their perspective on things. So, uh, Mr. Hughesong, would you like to leave the folks with anything enlightening? Yeah, if you're one of these people that after your baseball fields got shut down went to the other towns to take pictures of their kids not socially distancing, stop it. Stop it. You're better than that. Don't do that. Let the kids play. That's all I got. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. We'll see you all next week. Take care.